All right, good morning and welcome to Chanel. We are so glad that you're here with us this morning. Over the next, uh, spoiler alert, uh, over the next few weeks, uh, what we're going to be doing is revisiting our, our shared um, vision, our shared vision. And we'll look at three different words that the, the vision committee landed on being transform, welcome, and serve. And so this morning I want to tell a story about when we decided to move to Little Rock. About, it was about a little over eight years ago, almost nine now, that we decided to accept a job here at Chenal Valley Church and to move to Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, I have to admit that when I told my previous church that I was leaving, there wasn't as much gnashing and weeping that I would have uh, you know, hoped to, to receive. Um, but when I told them that I was leaving, I started getting a lot of advice from kind of older members. Uh, Kentucky, like Arkansas, is very saturated in, in one particular thing, and that is the love of the university. Never Louisville. Never Louisville. Always the University of Kentucky. But a lot of the older people would come up to me and say, hey, like, we're excited for this new journey for you guys, but just don't, don't let them change you. And the third or fourth time that an older member told me, don't let them change you, I finally just said, hey, what, what are we talking about here? Like, I'm I'm going from one youth ministry position to another one in a different state. I had lived in Arkansas uh, when I went to college at Harding for four years, and I don't remember being, you know, drastically changed from that experience. And the person just said, we're worried that you guys are going to become Razorback fans. And it hit me. I was like, y'all are serious. And they were. And they were worried about it. And they said, just promise that when you come back and visit, you aren't wearing red. I remember distinctively one individual telling me that. Now, unfortunately for them, uh, this past Saturday, uh, Jude and I went to the Razorback game. Um, I spent, spent a pretty penny over this. Uh, but we went to the Razorback game, and when they were coming to Little Rock, I said to Jude, I said, hey, you know, the game's in town. If you'd like to go, we'll get tickets. We'll go. We'll have a day of it. And, of course, when we finally went through into War Memorial, this was right by the door. You know what I mean? Just pulling kids in. And I said, you can get one thing, and it turned into four. As you can see, we've got the football, we've got the snout, we've got the finger, and we've got the, the, the classic hog head hat. Um, and so I, I texted John Yates, who this means the most to John Yates, in the concourse. And I said, John, after eight years of trying to convert this kid, you might have done it. Uh, now, I think, Stan, you've got a quick clip ready just to prove that this was not just a, a merchandise thing. Let's see if we've got that clip ready. There he is. So, eight years in the working, John Yates has finally, I think, done it here. I'll go back to those slides, Stan. <laughs> uh, now, if, once Judah got the chewing tobacco out of his mouth, I think he would have been able to do the chan a little bit better, uh, but the, the chew got him there. But, but I tell that story, I show that picture because over time, if you spend enough time with someone or doing something, it's going to change you. You may see that influence of, of people, uh, since, since Judah could walk, John Yates has been trying to get Judah to call the hogs. Uh, I know some of you all have rooted for that as well, but over time, individuals have influence on you. And so this morning, as we spend a little bit of time talking about the idea of transforming, I thought that was a, a fun example. Now, transformation does not happen overnight. 
See, as Christians, we are called to reflect the image of Jesus in our lives, in our thoughts, in our actions, the way that we see other people. We are called to be that. The passage that Christy read a little while ago from Romans chapter 12 emphasizes this, that the way that we live, the way that we exist, should no longer look like the ways of the world, but should reflect the teachings and words of Jesus Christ. When Paul writes, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That idea of transforming is so vital when it comes to, be, when it comes to this idea of who we want to become as a church. When we landed on this idea of transforming as part of our vision, we reflected on it because we are changing We are becoming who Christ really created us to be, and Paul's words here emphasize that. Paul writes, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, transforming, again, doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time. I believe it's Malcolm Gladwell that says it takes 10,000 hours to to, um, become efficient in a habit or a task. And so it's not going to happen overnight. And so for this sermon, what I thought I could do is I would give you three S's, three easy words to remember this transformation process. We're going to talk about studying, showing, and sharing. Studying has always been a vital part of this congregation, from the way that we teach our adult classes all the way down to the nursery. We are emphasizing the importance of Scripture in their lives. Now, in the nursery, it's probably a little bit of song and, and dance a little bit because you've got to jazz it up for those kids, keep their attention. But when they move up, kids are learning the books of the Bible, the stories of Scripture. And then as adults, what we're trying to teach and emphasize is how is God working in your life? How is Scripture relevant to you today? Joshua, when Joshua takes over for Moses, God tells Joshua these words in chapter 1. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of law always on your lips. I love the language there of Scripture is something that is a part of who we are. Not just something that that we do on Sunday mornings, but it, it becomes a part of our identity. Where would we think about the words that we say, they are reflective of Scripture. It says, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Now, studying Scripture is not always fun. When I was a kid, I participated in something called Bible Bowl. I don't know if this is the official image of it, but I thought it was a pretty cool picture. Just by show of hands, did anyone else in here do Bible Bowl? Okay, Stephanie. Oh, we got a few. Excellent. So, Bible Bow, for those of you who uh, are pagans, clearly, not just playing, um, but Bible Bow, what it was, was this really kind of um, intense way to study Scripture for kids. And so, you would actually study Scripture in order, here's the kicker, to compete against other churches. Okay, some of you are like, you're like why are we doing this? Great question. So you would study Scripture, you would pick a book of the Bible, you would study Scripture, and then the kicker was, if your team was good enough, we got to go to Nashville, Tennessee, and stay at the Opryland Hotel. Now, let's be honest for ourselves, if you did it, and if you participated in this, was it really about learning Scripture, or was it about that Opryland trip? I'll be honest with you and transparent. For me, it was going to Nashville. That is what drove my desire to study Scripture in the way that Bible Bowl taught us. 
Now, I learned a lot of Scripture. I was able to memorize it. And I was able to compete and destroy those other Christians uh, the way God intended us to do. But I'll tell you, I never put those words into action. I memorized it. I could buzz in and tell you the, the detail, the history, whatever. I could do those things, but I wasn't applying the Scripture to my life. See, the writer of Hebrews writes that for the Word of God is alive and active. The way that I was studying and digesting Scripture as a kid through Bible Bowl was not one that reflected this. Yeah, the the Word of God was fun to study so that I could go compete in Nashville. But when we study Scripture, we need to recognize that we're not just studying like an old book. We're studying a book that, as the writer of Hebrews describes, is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Studying Scripture is a part of our identity, not just so we can memorize things, but so that we can be activated and reflected in our lives. And that's how we get to the second S of this, of showing. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul writes, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We are called to show the transformation in the way that we talk to people, we've already done this, the way that we love other people, the way that we view our neighbors, those elements need to be reflected in how we are transformed. I'd be remiss if I did a sermon after Carol Dunn's passing uh, this past week without talking about Carol just a little bit. The first event that I ever came to as an employee of Chenal Valley Church was the Arkansas School for the Deaf Christmas Party. Up to that point, I had not met Carol or Marty Dunn. And I remember going into that big, really hot gymnasium that they had and seeing Carol and Marty Dunn give. Not just like their their attention, but just they they poured into these kids. The way that Carol showed individual attention to each kid was beautiful. And that's when I realized, like, I really, I'd already signed on the line, but I was like, I really want to be a part of this church. And I think about this passage here, and I think about the way that Carol Dunn lived. This idea of following God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. This past Thursday at his funeral, one of his sons spoke. And his son said that Carol lived by this rule of life. That it's nice to be important. It's nice to feel important. But it's more important to be nice. If you knew Carol Dunn, man, that's a Carol Dunn quote. That's how the man lived. That's how the man gave his attention, his energy, his resources, because he just wanted people to feel important. He wanted people to know that he's doing it because he's nice, and that's who God called him to be. It's not always easy to show the love of Christ in our lives. We live in a day and age now where people are fighting constantly, we're arguing. But the example that we are called to live is one of love, to mirror the image of Christ, as Paul talks about to the church of Ephesus. Not rude not looking down on people, not thinking that we are better than other people, but nice. It sounds so easy, but at times it's difficult. But that is who we are called to be. And there's a, I forgot about that. There's a picture of my kids and Carol. Um, but uh, and, and the point that I was going to make is that even when these kids are bad, Carol was still nice to them, uh, an excellent human being. Um, but one last passage in this is in Peter. 
1 Peter 2, 21 says, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Showing the transformation of Christ in our lives is not always fun, and it's not always easy. We like to talk about just being nice and smiling to people, but at times following the example of Christ may mean that we suffer, that we endure hard times and difficult circumstances. It's not always going to be easy. But if we are going to be transformed into the image of God, if it is going to be reflected in our lives, in our thoughts and in our actions, that is something that we have to take into account. And the final part of this transformation is sharing. When Jesus is talking to the disciples, well, when Jesus is talking to the disciples in Matthew chapter 10, go there, Matthew chapter 10, uh, Jesus is talking about like you're going to face some difficult things. People may not always be nice to you when you show that you are transformed, that you show that you are a new person. And so Jesus says these words to those disciples that he's about to send out. He says, but when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. One of my favorite professors at Lipscomb was Dr. John Mark Hicks. And in his book, A Gathered People, Dr. Hicks wrote this, The mission of God from creation to redemption has been to share his loving community with others. Part of being a transformed people, individuals that seek to be reflective of the nature of Christ, means that we are called to share what God has invited us into with others. It's the, this little light of mine, like you're not supposed to keep it like, to yourself. So share it, show people. But it's also important how we share. And to that, I want to talk about Elf's on the Shelf. It's, we talked about Carol. We're going to do a little more Christmas stuff. I apologize. But the Elf on the Shelf is this wonderful thing that, that helps Santa Claus, but also helps parents a lot. Um, I keep an Elf on the Shelf in my office. It, just, it watches my kids, even when they're at church, just to let them know Santa is always watching. I would encourage you, one in your car, one in your home, just whenever you need it. Ours comes out surprisingly early. Like sometimes it's August when we start talking about Santa's watching, guys, and his little elves are already around. But I saw a video this week of a family who learned something about their elf on the shelf. So you ready, Stan? Okay. He's holding it. What? He's holding it. Oh, <laughs> What's the matter? I'll get it. Nolan, honey, what? I thought somebody got hurt. It can't anymore. No, he'll be able to. If, if moms don't realize it. So, if you couldn't hear that, and, and as I was introducing this idea of how we share things matter, uh, one of the children had touched one of the elves on the shelves in their house. Now, if you're familiar with any of the magic that goes along with the elf on the shelf, is children cannot touch the elf on the shelf. In fact, no one is supposed to touch the elf on the shelf, which the video starts with the children screaming, she touched it, she touched it. And then as you heard at the end of the video, the one girl saying, crying, she won't be able to fly anymore. And I used that silly video that was intense and maybe reminded you of your days with children uh, to bring up the point of how we share our faith matters. I do not believe that we are in a day and age where standing on a table shouting the good news to people is a way to convert them. 
I don't think that works. I've told the story before of when I was a youth minister in Madisonville, Kentucky, I'd gone to lunch in a middle school. The kids said, we've got this kid who he's saying he's an atheist and we need you to there to convert him. And I said, let's slow our roll just a little bit. I don't think this is going to work out. And when I got to that lunch, I watched four young boys yelling at the kid that he was going to hell. And that kid was just eating his Lunchable like, well, this kind of feels like it. This is what I'm headed towards. <clears throat> and I promise you that that kid was not converted that day. But how we share is so important. Again, I don't think that we share our faith on, on standing on tabletops, shouting at people. I don't think that's how we do it. I think we are called to share in, in living rooms and coffee shops through relationships that we have with individuals. Jesus talks about this in the Great Commission, a passage that we go to quite a bit. But in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And we, we lean on this passage a lot when we talk about evangelism, when we talk about reaching out to people, sharing the good news. And Jesus gives us like a few steps of things that we are called to do. We are called to make disciples of all nations. We are called to baptize. Uh, we are called to teach. But I want you to see that first line of therefore go. It's pretty open-ended. How you go, how you specifically share your faith is up to you. You don't get a cookie-cutter list of like, so you, then you ask your friend to dinner, and then you talk about Jesus. Like, that's not how it works. I believe that God is constantly opening up doors and opportunities in our lives for us to share how we have been transformed. Maybe it's that moment where you tell your friend, hey, I can't hang out because I'm, I'm going to church on Wednesday night. Maybe that is the moment to say, hey, you know what? Maybe you should come with us. If you've got families with kids, say, dinner's covered. That should be the hook enough to say, you don't have to worry about dinner on Wednesday night. But those feelings in our hearts where God is calling us to talk to those colleagues, those neighbors, those friends, who we've just kind of been waiting for God to open up those moments. Maybe God is using the every day for you to have that time to say, therefore, go. It's up to you. God is giving you the opportunity and the creativity to reach your neighbors, your friends, your colleagues, in whatever way works for you. So often we are looking for this list of instructions of, and detailed uh, ideas of how to do these things when God is just saying, be yourself. Share how you've been transformed in your actions and your thoughts and your ways, and then God will open up those moments for you. But the key thing is you've got to go. You've got to do it. You've got to share. The idea of, of transforming is, is unique to me when it comes to Christianity. Or what we are invited into is something that is beautiful and is powerful and is life-changing. But when we recognize that that transformation has taken place, when we realize that we are no longer following the patterns of this world, we can live boldly. Now, I'm not talking boldly in the sense of like, you're going to hell, come with me to church. That's not the boldness that I'm talking about. But the boldness to realize that you can be who God created you to be. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. This is also one of the verses that we have all around our campus, where Paul writes, now the, Spirit, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. See, this transforming idea that we've been talking about this morning is not to hinder, it's not to restrict you, but it's to free you to become who God has created you to be. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory 
which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The language here that Paul writes about is, is one of confidence. One that recognizes that we do not need to be ashamed of who God has, turned, who God has transformed us into being. That we no longer have to worry about the patterns of this world, that we can be who God created us to be. And as a church, this is one of the vision steps that we talked about. That we want to be a people that are transformed. And that transformation means that we are reflecting the image of God in our lives, in our thoughts, and in our actions. And that when people see us, they say, hey, you know what, there's something different about them. When everybody else is being mean, when everybody else is jumping on somebody, they're nice. When they have something, they have a little bit more they can give to their neighbor because that's who they are. Because as we are a church that is transformed into the image of God. Let's stand and sing together.